Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Hassam Aslam is the founder and CEO of Solutions 8, a top-ranked Google Ads agency that has helped hundreds of organizations grow and scale. He's also the author of The Seven Critical Principles of Effective Digital Marketing, featured as one of the top 100 digital marketing books of all time by Book Authority, and was also named one of the top 50 digital marketing thought leaders in the United States by the University of Missouri in 2020. Hassam had to overcome severe challenges on his journey towards becoming one of the world's premier marketing minds. He was raised by a blind single mother on social security disability and was surrounded by people who could have easily steered him towards a life of poverty and crime. Instead of debilitating him, these circumstances led Qasim to reinvent himself personally and professionally. Now he has a thriving business and a loving family and lives the lifestyle he dreamed of when he was younger. Today, we discuss why niching down is crucial for the growth of most businesses, the importance of structuring your business to serve your lifestyle, and why financial freedom is best achieved through creating value for others. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Kasim has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. He's giving away his standard operating procedure for Google Performance Max. Use this SOP to build, set up, and optimize successful Performance Max campaigns. To get access to this gift, visit justindonald.com forward slash 113. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Kasim Aslam. What's up, Kasim? So glad to have you on the show. Justin, thanks for having me, man. Happy to be here. I just know there's so much fun stuff we're going to get into today. When I think about how you and I first got connected, I had so many people have such positive things to say about you and how you were showing up in their life. We've got many mutual friends and front row dads. You're a member. I'm a member. And there was just a barrage of people that were singing your praises. And it was cool to hear. And I was like, man, I want to get to know this guy better. So that's kind of the genesis of us forming our relationship. And you later ended up joining the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind, which is cool. I love featuring members on the podcast because our members are brilliant and they have such cool strategies and unique paths to success. And so I'm just excited to kind of jump in and tackle a bunch of these things. I'm excited too. And I've learned a lot from your mastermind, man. Hopefully it's not going to come across as me shilling it, but been great. Learned a lot. Made a lot of really good connections. You've done a, just a phenomenal job with that that community. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. One thing I've definitely learned for sure is when you curate 
high level performers, you then have to kind of be critical with who gets in. But when you truly curate it and you truly hold a standard and only let people in that that qualify based on that criteria, it really creates a cool network and a cool group of interesting, like-minded individuals that are just playing the game of life and business and investing at a high level. And it's nice to be in touch with those people that can kind of inspire cool ideas that you may have or partnerships and just to do the cool stuff that we're doing in the crew and in that community. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about you and how you kind of got your start in the world of entrepreneurship. At a young age, did you know that that was your thing or is this something that you fell into? I'm curious. I'm the world's greatest failure, Justin. I'm kind of proud of it. I got into quite a bit of trouble as a kid. I didn't really graduate high school. I made a failed attempt at being a career criminal. And (laughs) that ended up kind of feeding my entrepreneurial passion more than I realized. It stemmed from the fact that I had no other options. I didn't go to college. I wasn't employable, you know, and I I don't know that I'd be a good employee. So I made a, a couple of stabs at a couple of different things and failed miserably each time, but picked up something from each experience. And there's like a tapestry of broken experiences that sort of melded together in order to create what ended up being my my entrepreneurial journey. So hopefully I didn't get too, too dark, but that's the best way I can answer that. Well, now I'm curious, how did you fail as a criminal? I mean, something <laughs> set you on the right path, but I, I'm I'm curious if you're willing to share. So I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was raised by a blind single mother on social security disability. And if you've been to Albuquerque, it's, it's a rough place. And I, I was a super nerd in Albuquerque. I wasn't like, you know, cool or anything, but... I went to a last chance school. It was for kids who got kicked out of every other school. It was called Southwest Secondary Learning Center. The guy who founded the school is named Scott Glassford. You can Google him. He's now in federal prison. But the school was just full of all these delinquents. And so they put us in a room together to collaborate. And it was not a very healthy environment to be in for any of us. We went to school four days a week, three hours a day. And so we just had all this time on our hands. And kind of started with just petty kid stuff. And it segued into me being more or less terror stricken at my life. And I pansied out. I called my dad, who I didn't know super well. And we weren't really well connected. But I just said, hey, man, I'm in quite a bit of trouble. Don't know exactly how I'm going to get out of it. And he had me come move with him in Scottsdale. So I'm 19 years old. And I go from like poor broke kid in Albuquerque, New Mexico to living in Scottsdale and seeing like there's just insane levels of opulence. And that was a that was a hell of a paradigm shift and a really good experience for me. In retrospect, I got the opportunity a lot of people don't have, which is just just fully reinvent myself. I can't believe that the founder of your school actually went to prison. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, think he's there now. He shoots YouTube <laughs> videos from prison. Like he's he's a weird he's a weird dude. Wow. Yeah. So talk about night and day then from Albuquerque to Scottsdale and Scottsdale just keeps growing and expanding and it attracts a lot of people there. A lot of my friends live there. There's a lot of success that's there. So you reinvented yourself, which is great. Thank goodness you had another chance. You had another perspective. Was your dad doing something where he was very successful in his endeavors professionally, or were you just in a place where you saw everything else around and it was almost like in spite of my family, I figured it out? Yeah. So my dad's a great guy. I love him to death. My father, I'd be saying this if he were sitting in the room, money flows through his hands like water. He makes it really well, but he can't keep it. If he makes 20 bucks, he's going to spend 2150 and then go borrow against what he just spent. He's got a, a blessed disposition that if somehow, man, he's just always able to kind of make that 
life work, but it's so stressful. He owned a rug store. He sells hand knotted rugs. He's Pakistani. So he imports these rugs from Pakistan and, uh, he needs to be in a, in a wealthy environment in order to sell those rugs, which is why he ended up in Scottsdale. But I worked for him and it was the most stressful experience of my life because of the way my dad runs his business and just sort of the way he runs his life. He's very generous. You know, he pays people more than he should pay him and he tips more than he should tip. And it's always just kind of a borrow from Peter to pay Paul situation and scenario. And so when I quit and decided to go start my own thing, I have what I refer to as entrepreneurial PTSD because I can't tell you how many times we're like racing to the bank to make a deposit because we're not going to make payroll or within the family too. You just didn't get paid. It was like, what's the bare minimum you need right now to, to make everything get covered because, and that's very, that's very Pakistani as well. Like we're all just, there's this collective kitty and everybody puts into the kitty and you, you, you sort of get what you get. And that was also, as much as it was a little traumatizing, it was also really powerful because I knew I just didn't want to do things not to disparage or diminish my father, but he's taught me a lot of really good things. He's taught me some things via the negative as well. And that was one of them. Yeah, that's interesting. So for you, I'm guessing since that bothered you so much, you weren't that way. And by the way, I've gotten to know you a lot. And so I actually know you to be the opposite of that. So he had a really easy time letting money kind of, you know, trick a lot of his hands out of his pockets. You're the opposite. And so that certainly had an effect, right? Where you have found yourself to hold on a little tighter, right? Maybe unsure what moves you want to make. Like, if I'm not certain what I want to do, I'm just going to hold on and, you know, maybe make a decision later. And by the way, I say that as a compliment, because you've been able to amass a lot of of wealth, because you haven't had failures financially, you haven't invested in things that kind of fell apart. And so your strategy has actually served you well from that regard. But I'd love to hear how that maybe influenced you and and your mindset on that. Because when you first joined our group, I think one of the big goals was like, how do I learn more about investing so I can figure out and be comfortable letting go of some of my cash, right? I'm aggressively frugal is the kind way to put it. I was not to get mildly arrogant here. I was a, I was a liquid multimillionaire and I still had holes in my socks. I couldn't bring myself to buy new socks because there's, there's a place where the hole inhibits the ability for the sock to perform. That's at the top. But if you have holes in the soles of your sock, those are still good socks, Justin. Like that still does the job as far as I could, you know, my little wife is like now, and, and I'll spend money on my wife. I'll spend money on my kids. But when it comes to me, and maybe these are self-worth issues that I need to dig into, but I just have a hard time deploying. It's also inhibited and limited my growth, you know? So being a part of this group and being exposed to folks like you, I'm getting better at taking calculated, but taking risks. And uh, I did have a, a great big financial failure. When I was 20 years old, I started a software development firm and I was building banking applications. And I was in the bank. You, you remember the movie, The Big Short? Oh, yeah. Love that movie. Okay. Love the book. Well, so I, I have here. Check this out. This is really cool. My copy of the book is signed by the COO of the bank that brought down Lehman Brothers. Whoa. So the big short is about a bank. It's about one bank. It's the largest privately held bank in the nation or was. It was the largest bank failure in U.S. history. And they were my client. I was in the bank on Bank Failure Friday when the FDIC pulled up in their big black SUVs, took over the bank, shut everything down. And, and it wasn't just because of that. But that was like the first domino that tipped, that took down my entire business. I had to lay off everybody that was working for me. I lost my house to foreclosure, my car to repossession. I was living in this crack den of an apartment going to Costco on the weekends, eating free tryouts on my expired Costco card. And I realized I was like, man, I pulled a dad. 
because, you know, I had the big house on the hill, but it was the banks. I had like the cool car, but that was the banks. And the minute I wasn't going to get, you know, what was owed to me, which is a risk in business, I realized everything that I have is vapor. And that's what I'm so glad it happened, dude. Like I was making more money than a kid should make at 20 years old. And then by 22, it was gone. And uh, it was a great lesson to learn. And since then, I've been pretty, pretty cautious about the way that I deploy. You know, Kasim, it's interesting because you talk about how this money was vapor and and it disappeared and that taught you a great lesson. The interesting parallel that I have is what people do today. So you at least figured this out inside of a year to two years that that was a strategy that didn't work. Mm. Most of the general population has what I call paper money. A lot of people will call it paper money, where they think their net worth is a certain amount. They think their investments are worth a certain amount. But it's not really what it is until it's time to take that capital off the table, right? Until that company has an exit, until it's time to retire. Like that portion of net worth has very little utility, but it looks good on a a PFS, a personal Mm -hmm. financial statement. It feels good to like, you know, know what your net worth is. But this is the whole thing for me where you have so many people chasing net worth, but they're like asset rich, cash poor, can't really live the life that they want to live today or do so at the expense of tomorrow or even today. But it's based on the same idea of this, you know, how everything was vapor or paper money. Now, some of these things will work out, but a lot of them won't work out. You know, a lot of the high risk stuff, yep. it might look like it's working all the way until it doesn't work. And that might happen over 10, 15, 20 years. And then you realize a strategy that you didn't know better that you kept doing for 20 years didn't work for any of them, but it took that long to figure out that the company failed, right? So I love that you figured that out quickly. And I also think it's great that you let these lessons serve you. For you, it seems like there's been extremes, right? It's like you want to go the extreme opposite direction of your dad. Then you found out you were kind of doing the same thing. And it was like, okay, let me really go in this opposite direction. I'm going to be super frugal. I'm going to be responsible. And I think that serves people for a period of time until it doesn't serve them. And once that scarcity mindset is too strong and it becomes debilitating, I think that's the point in time where that strategy has to shift a little bit, right? Doesn't mean that everything has to be risked, but it means that that strategy got you to where you are, but now you're at a plateau and you're probably not going to compound your your net worth, your cash flow, the lessons that you're teaching your kids. You're probably not going to do that in the same place, even though you can take some of those strategies or some of those habits as long as they're not abused, right? Because too much of a good thing ends up not being a good thing. Most of the time. No, it's brilliantly stated. And what what I'm seeing now, which is really frustrating, is I'm watching I'm watching everything I've worked for get get vaporized in a different way. It's inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, you take your money, you throw it under a mattress, and and the market has a really good way of reminding you that this is a bad, bad, bad idea. So I played the gold bug game a little bit. I've bought some single family homes. I've made some investments through you and 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 through others. And I'm kind of dipping my toe into figuring out where it is that I want to live. I'm still scared. You know, I think there's a recession coming and I don't know from what angle and I don't think it's coming the way that people think it's coming. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't believe in in the sanctity of the dollar the way that others do. I'm sort of on the, the Dalio fence and I like things that feel tangible to me. To You know, I, f- I make my money in a very ethereal, ephemeral way, like Google ads, digital marketing. It's all, 
you know, it doesn't exist, right? It's just, you know, this code talks to that code and somehow money comes out. So when I invest, I like to have things that this feels structurally sound to me. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's more or less where I'm where I'm positioned at the moment. Well, I'll go on record saying this. I've said this many times before. I would much rather plan for a worst case scenario that doesn't happen or it doesn't happen as bad as you think it's going to happen than the opposite, which is you don't plan and you're caught naked. And that is really, I mean, I think it's wise to say, hey, how bad could it get? If it got this bad, what would I need to do to survive? If it got this bad, how would I invest my money? How much would I need to have in cash? How much would I need to have in other assets? What assets specifically? What would be redeemable quickly? Because, you know, at a a point in time where you're in a, a true recession, the value of assets changes because how do you get liquidity when you need it? And is someone willing to transact? Does that, does that asset still have the same value or carry the same weight as what it once did? And, you know, you'll, you'll see if you study history and Ray Dalio is a great example of this. I mean, even his last book is very historically based, but if you study history, you're going to see these trends where everyone in the world or everyone in this nation did things this way. And then all of a sudden, that way didn't work anymore. And so I think it's wise to be experimenting and thinking through and who knows, no one knows. I tend to think that we're going to have some turbulent times as well. I don't know how bad it's going to be. And no one knows, like no one has a crystal ball. If the Fed injects more money, then it delays it longer. If they continue to raise interest rates, then we might see it sooner. I mean, there's, there's so much unknown, but I think it's wise to prepare. Yeah. Well, that's what I loved about your golden rules of investing. Nobody had ever posited to me that I could have all of that, you know, because usually when you're looking at a fund or looking at the folks that want to take your money, it it feels very like you're being dictated to. These are the terms, take it or leave it. And when I saw your education, it was, I mean, hopefully you don't mind me characterizing this way, but I was like, I can have my cake and eat it too. This is awesome. You know, like you're going to spin off money monthly and I can take it out anytime, you know? So, and I realized not every investment fits perfectly inside of that box, but it's better to have the box that you know is perfect for you and then decide where you're compromising as opposed to just, and when you're ignorant of how the process works, and I still am, I just learned what pref means. You know, I'm on these Zoom calls with you and I'm just sitting here Googling these terms that people are dropping because I, you know, I'm wildly ignorant when it comes to all of this stuff. But the, the one thing that I've done really, really well, and I think this comes from the humility of my background, is I don't, I don't mind looking stupid. So if somebody says something, I don't know, I'm like, can we just, Pause right there. And will you please define that term for me? And what I've noticed is there's a whole litany of people right behind me like, oh, thank God he asked that. That's right. I I get to be the dummy on the front end, but I'm never I'm never dumb for long. I'm going to figure it out and crack the code because I just don't care about optics. I'm going to ask whatever question I have to ask in order to understand this from the roots. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I, I wish more people took that approach. I am all about figuring out the details. And like you, I'm okay putting myself out there and saying, hey, I don't know what this means. What does this mean? Can you help me understand? Yeah. I was on a, a call earlier today uh, and they used an acronym and I'm like, I probably should know what this means, but I don't know what that meant. And then they told me, I'm like, oh, you had an extra letter to it. I've never heard it you know, <laughs> done that yeah. way. That's interesting. But same thing. Like, I just think you have that, like, this is the information that is so important to know. And then I also think during tough times, or if we expect tough times to come, if we expect uh, even more of a, an economic slowdown, what are the asset classes that actually hold up really well? Because there are plenty of them. And you can check history. You can check the past financial 
situations, crises. You can check like the dot-com bubble. You can check. I mean, just go back and look at what did well and what didn't. And that's one good indicator of, you know, potentially something that can be strong today. Yeah. Well, so I'm doing it now. My superpower is Google ads. I'm good at lead generation. And so I join your group and I hear everybody say, oh, we want mobile home parks. I've ended up over a hundred leads for mobile home park sellers. Since then, I'm working with Nick, who's also in your group to try to, we haven't flipped one yet, but when we do, that could be, you know, a really substantial fee. Oh, I love it. So yeah, I, I, and I like, I like heavy diversification. I never want to rely on any single source of anything. And I also feel, and this is going to sound predatory, but it's just the truth. If and when the market turns, dude, I think I'm going on a buying spree. Cause I remember what happened in 08. I remember looking around and seeing like $15,000 condos right in the middle of like beautiful central Phoenix. And just knowing this is insane. Like I, I should buy 20 of these and not being able to. So I'm prepared to be a little braver than I would be characteristically as soon as I see something like that flip. And that's great because you've studied it, you know. So people that don't know that pattern, that right. aren't comfortable with what happened the last time, they aren't knowledgeable, they're ignorant. You used that word earlier. And that's said in, in truly the purest form of like just uneducated, right? Someone may truly be uneducated in a certain area and we've got to, uh, our goal is to be educating ourselves. But now you have the confidence because you've learned some lessons, you've seen some patterns. And I think that's so bright. It's so good to make decisions. One of the things I encourage everyone who joins the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind to do right out of the gates is come up with their own investment criteria. Because when you're in a good place, when you're unemotional, that's a great time to lay out what it is that you're going to invest in and, and what your goals are and what outcomes you're looking for. So that way, when times do get bad or when maybe there's FOMO, that you can check your emotions at the door and say, no, let me look at this plan. Let me let me look at my investment criteria. Let me look at this investor sheet, this one page that says what I'm about and how I'm going to invest. And so I think it's smart that you're doing that. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm excited about it in, in a very, it's new. You know, it's like the first time you go out to dance and I hate dancing, but if you take any dancing classes and now it's like, okay, the music starts and you're with your wife and you're like, this is it. I'm sort of excited about this dance, excited and nervous at the same time. And I'll never extend myself beyond what I know I can lose and still, and still maintain honestly, literally forever. I, my wife and I drive Hyundai's the only reason I have a mortgage is because my CPA was like, dude, you're missing out on this, this tax break on the interest. So I'm hundred percent debt free. And, and I just always want to know that I've got that forever money and not that there's anything wrong with this. I'm not wealth shaming at all, but outside of travel, like we have no opulent purchases whatsoever. We eat organic food. That's kind of expensive, but you know, we, we, we live a pretty humble life. So that helps because it just keeps things small in a, in a manageable way. Yeah, I love that. I love that you can live life on your terms and that you can be very intentional with how you spend your money. It's interesting because you could look at it from two different standpoints. You could look at it from the standpoint of, hey, a lot of great lessons in that. The flip side, you could probably argue that there are a lot of great lessons in the, you know, hey, I want to use these funds for these experiences or to curate these relationships, get into these groups. And you could make the argument that, you know, that is also a good way of doing it. But I think when you're at peace, when you figure out for you what's best, that's great. And to always be willing to learn and grow and figure out what's next. And I love that you're just always reinventing yourself. Hey, I can do this business. I can do that business. You're like such an ideas guy. So I love that you've teamed up with one of my 
dear buddies, Nick Najar. I love all the cool stuff that's going on there with mobile homes and mobile home parks. And specifically just that we've got two more mastermind members that are teaming up to do something really cool. But I'd love to talk a little bit about what it is that you do. So you've got, you have an agency and you are like one of the foremost experts in paid traffic. Your agency is rated very high. You work primarily or exclusively with Google ads because they're the easiest to scale. And through this though, you've been able to figure out all these other niche markets, niche business opportunities. So it's kind of like, you know, we got to start with where you are, but I want to kind of dissect it because you're, getting into such cool niche markets, niche ideas that I, I want to be able to share this strategy with so many people that could take something like this and run with it. Yeah. So it's in, it's built on a cliche and cliches are cliches for a reason, but you've heard a million times the riches are in the niches. And I didn't choose a niche or even niche down because I'm intelligent. I did it as a byproduct of failure, again, being the world's greatest failure. Solutions 8 is, is the name of my agency. And we're called Solutions 8 because I had eight core service offerings. So I was doing websites and SEO and content and video and PPC and like everything. You know, if you would pay me to do it, I would do it. And it was miserable. It was horrible, Justin. I remember I had a financial goal for myself and I reached a financial goal and I was supposed to be happy when I hit this mark. And I got there and I was like, this is the most miserable I've ever been. Because I had whatever it was, 30 some clients, but it was each one of them I was doing something different for. So it was like 30 different little businesses and everybody had to call and yell at me for stuff. And it was my business partner that identified, you know, hey dude, when somebody's successful from a marketing perspective, they're successful with Google ads first. So we started using Google ads just to stress test a business. Cause if I can take you, suit you up, put a weapon in your hand, throw you in the Coliseum against all your competitors and you come out alive, that means that you have a viable business model. And that's what Google ads does. So we started using Google ads just as a litmus test and we got so good at it. We niched down into Google ads. And from there, I started identifying all these insane niche opportunity, niche down into e-com and then specifically Shopify stores. And it started, the writing was on the wall for me really quickly because when you choose a, a, a niche and I toggle back and forth between niche and niche, by the way, because I don't know how to say it and I don't think anybody does. <laughs> when you choose a niche, everything gets easier. All the work that you do, if you're bespoke anything, is only worth the single point of implementation. And the most powerful lesson I got actually came from a passion project. And I didn't realize how successful it was going to be, but I'm obsessed with Montessori schools. Obsessed. I think every child deserves to go to a Montessori school or a Montessori inspired school. I think y'all are acting people, right? Yeah, we got our start there and have since transitioned. We actually are going to a school that specializes in dyslexia because we found out in December that our daughter has dyslexia. So it's really cool actually hanging out with Richard Branson, talking about that and him sharing a video of why being a dyslexic is incredibly amazing and all the superpowers that come with it. Uh, so it, it's been a really neat journey. But yeah, so we pivoted and, and now we're at a school called Ross and Saunders here in Austin, which is just a fabulous school that we're so thrilled with. That's awesome that y'all have that. I, I feel like alternative education gets, it's an uphill battle. And so I wanted to create something that helps Montessori schools grow. So I created this agency because I know marketing. I know it well. And so I created this agency and, and the idea was, let's give a Montessori school everything that they need in order to grow for as little money as possible. We created the website, we created content, monthly blog posts, emails, social, paid traffic, stock photo live, like everything, CRM, marketing automation, the whole kit and caboodle. And it wasn't meant to be this massive profit center. But what I found was I created it once, there's 4,500 Montessori schools in the nation. And you don't need to sell many schools that at a thousand bucks a pop before 
that really starts to add up. And, you know, a, a good agency in my space has 20% margins. But if you're dealing with templated resources, those margins go up. And it, it man, it was so eye-opening. And so now I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm partnering with a friend who, I don't know if I'm allowed to use his name, but he's famous in the martial arts space. And so we're going to go into, we have five niches in martial arts, karate and jujitsu and kickboxing. And we're going to tackle each one at a time because that's how important it is to niche down. If you zoom out that way, you know, just the distinction between martial arts and karate, that's a huge distinction. And the line of demarcation in my mind is you have to be able to write their content for them. And it doesn't have to be marketing. If you're thinking about niching down, you know, I've got a friend, a mutual friend, Doug, who's in my front row dad's band. He's a recruiter. And he and I were talking about niching down on a recruiting perspective. I help website design agencies find their COO. And you might think like, dude, I'm going to miss out on so much business. And it's, well, that's true. But you're also going to be the only guy that a web design agency could ever go to when looking for their most important resource. And now your marketing just got easier. Your value proposition just got easier. You get to charge more. You get to streamline everything as you're attracting these COOs. If you can't place one here, you place them there as opposed to having to go find a new person for every new role that comes in. Niching down has been the most powerful thing I've ever done for myself. It's it's the reason I've been as successful as I have. And uh, what's troubling to me is entrepreneurs, are they're terror stricken when it comes to niching down, they're just so afraid of, of everything that they're saying no to, but it's not until you say no that you really need to go deep on what you're saying yes to. It makes your whole life easier. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the lifestyle investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow. You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe. And often the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate, meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turned 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get, which is why I put together this mobile home park masterclass. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash MHP and watch the video, which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors, Join me in my mobile home park masterclass and let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com 
forward slash MHP for all the details. I love the Montessori model. So we started in Montessori. Uh, so I love hearing that. I think there's just brilliance in so much of that. And every child is different from the standpoint of maybe learning disabilities or as some would define them as disabilities. Not everyone defines them as disabilities these days, which I love, but different children need different things. And we've learned with our daughter that there's certain hindrances on the executive functioning stuff, even like procrastination or internalized motivation, but intrinsic, right? And so, you know, it's interesting seeing the different models on the different children, but we love it in general. And when I think about your model, though, I mean, you are niche down, but some of these niches are still massive. I remember when pickleball was making a huge comeback or a huge, some would say it was like a reemergence. Other people would say it's just an emergence. And I had someone that was in the pickleball space that had niched down and did incredibly well. And, and at the time, I'm like, well, how many people play pickleball? Like, how, how are you making any money? And look right. at it today. It's just, I mean, everyone seems to be playing pickleball. All the country clubs are throwing a pickleball court on top of the tennis courts. And I mean, you just go to the park down the road and we've got them everywhere. Yeah, they just rebuilt our park over uh, where I live and added, you know, six pickleball courts. I've got a, a client. He's not a client anymore. He was for a while. He ran into some flight chain issues because of everything that's going on. But he did cornhole gear. You know what cornhole is? Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't. I, I, I was like, what the? Yeah, you're throwing, you're tossing bag into just a box. And they have like regulation gloves and regulation bags. And and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, there's no way this is a thing. And he's, you know, he's minting money while he was, he was getting materials in. But I just, I think that that's, if a meteor hit my business tomorrow, I'd go find the least served niche. And then I would just love on them. That's the other thing that you get to do, which, you know, I'm sorry if I get touchy-feely here, but you get to give so much more. The customer experience is so much better. You get to speak to them on their terms. You really get to know them. You get to know what they're worried about or what the concerns are, what their pain points are. When I go to hire, the gal that runs my Montessori agency is an ex-Montessorian. You know, so she speaks the language perfectly. She was a software engineer first, started a Montessori school. And I'm like, God, you couldn't be more perfect. But finding her was easy because I knew what I needed. And I knew I just emailed my list of schools. And I'm like, hey, I'm looking for I'm looking for an executive director. So finding your employees, finding your strategic partners, knowing where to go to, to fish, niching down, just it just makes the whole world so much easier. If there isn't a catchphrase or a, a poster child for what lifestyle investing is or who a lifestyle investor is. I mean, I don't know what is to have a business that you could really work it on your terms for very little amounts, but that you have regular cash flow coming in that buys your time back. I don't care how much money you make. How much time do you own? Well, I know right. a lot of people that are very wealthy, but they don't own their time. They have a business and they like to think that it's their business, but really the script is flipped, right? So it's like, they want to say, yeah, this is my business. But really the business is saying you're mine, right? The business owns them. And so, yeah, they make a lot of money or more money, but they're not spending it in the way. Now, some people, they're lucky and they're doing exactly what they love to do. That's just a very small percentage of people. Most people are not. And so they're trapped in this mode of like society says, make more money. Society says, work more hours. Cultural norms are like, move up, move up whatever it is. Is it a corporate ladder? Is it a net worth ladder? 
well, why don't we move up the owning your own time ladder? Let's own more of your time. Why don't we move up the ladder of like even better experiences and more time with the people that we care about? Like that seems to be what is more inspiring and exciting and compelling. And by the way, I don't mean to disparage anyone at any point, wherever they are, like everyone's learning, everyone's figuring this stuff out. But I talk to a lot of people that have these ahas that don't even realize, yeah, I guess you're right. My business does run me. And I just want to help people wake up and say, hey, there's another way. And you can still make great money. And you can likely buy the time back to do these other things that you love to do and influence other people to buy their time back and to do better in life. Yeah, that's really well stated. I've, I've got a I own the domain 3x freedom and I want to, I don't know if this is ever going to happen to be honest with you, but I want to teach people how to build these little niche businesses and I'm going to do it under the umbrella of this 3x freedom. It doesn't exist yet. So I'm not pitching anything, Justin, but the idea is there's three dimensions of freedom. There's time, freedom, location, freedom, and financial freedom. And everybody goes for financial freedom first. And I think that's flawed. I think that's flawed because if you go to financial freedom first, you actually have to sacrifice the other two dimensions of freedom. So you want to make sure that you set yourself up for time and location freedom whilst on the way towards financial freedom, because when you achieve it, you now have the other two pillars in place. And I think if you do that, gosh, man, just my wife and I are going to Portugal next summer. We're doing the golden visa thing and we're just going to live there for two months. I think we're using your gal, by the way, the attorney. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Anna Rita. She's yeah. awesome. She's great. Yeah. I'm so excited about doing you know, golden visas in Portugal and, you know, living long-term or longer vacations, exploring the world. I think that's cool, but I love, so, you know, what you just talked about, this time freedom, that gives you the space and location freedom. That gives you the ability to go do that, to go spend two months in Portugal. I think that's very well said. I think the unfortunate thing is most people don't know how to get time freedom or location freedom until they figured out financial freedom. And so for me, I spend a lot of time talking about that because I think sometimes people are just stuck in it. So it's like, that's where you got to start. Sure. The other thing is like, sometimes people have a hard time thinking like, well, what would I do and be able to walk away from what they're doing if their finances aren't taken care of, right? So I love what you're saying. I think there's brilliance to it. I think some people the excuses or the easy way out is I'll figure that out once I have financial freedom. And then once you do, you have the time and space to do it. I think you can figure the other two out without financial freedom. It just creates, like it just takes you creating the space to do it. And most people aren't willing to do that or they're too on autopilot going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And life is running them. They're not running their life, right? Yeah, that's well said. That should be a mug. I like it. Well, I love your idea and I hope that you do. I mean, we could brainstorm it right now if you want to. I mean, I think this, you said you're not pitching, but you probably should be pitching because that sounds like a great idea. And I think you'll have a huge market. I'd love your help because I don't know. I don't know how to position it. I don't know how to launch it. And I don't know how to put guardrails on it. I niche down via the marketing agency, but I don't know that I want it to just be a marketing thing because I think there's so many areas of niche opportunity. You do it with accounting, bookkeeping, uh, legal operations. You know what I mean? Like there's, you wouldn't even, it doesn't have to be B2B. You could niche down. I talked to one of the FRDs and and actually maybe I won't give away his idea because it's a really good idea, but he has a really specific water sport that he's super into. And he's like, couldn't I have a community for people that are into this water sport and then monetize it by, you know, you put together events or you help, you know, group buy materials or whatever. And I'm like, hell yeah, hell yeah, you could. So I want to start with the FRDs, which I, I don't know how connected your podcast is. So I'll maybe stop using the acronym and say the front row dads. I think the best thing you can do for a dad is 
is give him time. And so I've got like this nice little sandbox of front row dads. I did one training call and I think it went pretty well. I was all over the place. I'm, you know, not. A, you got an, incredible feedback. I can assure you, you did well because I saw the response in the chat in two different feeds on how much people loved it. So yeah, I think this is resonating with a lot of people. And I think you got some real legs for this, this next, you know, I want to call it like the, for me, it was like, I re, I think it's important to continue to reinvent yourself and to continue to, to, Learn and grow to the point that you can show up in a different way, in a different business, with a different education. And so that's what I have done several times in my career is I've reinvented myself. And I think that this is such an exciting place to reinvent your next professional endeavor. Yeah. And you know, it's something I could get so passionate about too, just because of who it helps and how it helps them. And by the way, for a lot of people, this could be the thing that you have the most passion around. So sometimes people say, well, don't do what you love because then it becomes a job. And other people say, find a way to make money doing the thing that you love. Both are probably true and both are, you know, have pros and cons to them. But the reality is if there's something that you really care about and that thing is a niche market, there could be a big opportunity, right? Yeah. Well, so I've got a flip on the saying, I wanted to be an actor. That was my sad, pathetic little passion and that, you know, you'd be, you'd be shocked at how few roles there are for nine foot tall Pakistanis. And I've, I've meditated on this a lot. The do what you love mantra is something that we need to stop selling our children because I do think that that's deadly. But instead of do what you love, I think the saying should be help who you love. And there's something about that because you, if you can help somebody, I teach my children, if you ask my children, what is money? They say money is a representation of the value you've provided to other people. So if you're helping somebody, you're providing value. And and within the, the constructs of a capitalist system, depending on whether or not you like it, it doesn't matter. That's where we live. And I'm a fan, by the way. I'm not disparaging it. That means money. If you help somebody solve a problem, that means money. It's automatic. It's We've all agreed to it. So find the people that you love the most and help those people. And what's nice about that is then it really doesn't feel like work. Like you, re- And I actually see this with you, man. Like I see people, everybody wants to talk to you. Every six months, we all get together and hang out. And I see people tugging on your, your sleeve and be like, hey, man, what do I do here? How do I do that? And, and I feel like, and I, you know, even if it gets a little fatiguing, I feel like it lights you up. Because you, you know, here's something I know a lot about. I'm the world authority in, and I get to help somebody that I really care about. And if you're looking for a niche... Think about, especially if your parents are small business owners, your mom and dad owned an Italian restaurant. Great. Go help Italian restaurant owners. Like, isn't that something? So if you saw your mom and dad every single day work in a restaurant, you know, day in, day out, working their asses off, tough business to be in, you know, the restaurant industry inside and out, couldn't you really sink your teeth into helping that person over and over and over and over and over again? And that's a niche I can tell you as a marketer, nobody wants. Nobody wants. They don't have any money. They don't have any margin. They have a limitation of scale. Like there's nobody that wants to go help a little mom, pa, kettle restaurant owner. But if you did it, how many Italian restaurants are there? You could make a million bucks just on one metro, you know, like just the Italian restaurants in Phoenix, Arizona are worth a million dollars net profit. Imagine if you got every single one of them in, in the United States or 10%, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's limitless. And there's so many, there's dry cleaners and nail salons and coffee shops. And there's so many little teeny tiny businesses, so many little who's that aren't being loved on. Go find the one that you love the most and just go give. That's the other thing too. You don't even need a monetization model. You don't have to know how you're going to make money. You just show up day one. Hey, I really love what you're doing here. Why don't you let me help you? I'll do it for free. You and I will crack the code together. You'll be my case study. And then I'm going to go turn this around and I'm going to sell the things that work to other people just like you. And I'm going to sell it for less than they'd ever be able to get a hold of it. But even in so doing, I'm going to make more than I would make otherwise trying to do this bespoke for random businesses. Man, I just think it's the future. I think there's going to be a gold rush 
on niche industries. And for some reason, it just hasn't hit yet. And, you know, maybe I can be that spark. Maybe I can be the catalyst. But the cool thing is, is everybody listening to this right now, there is such a blue ocean. And when I talk to some folks, they get a little of the FOMO. They're like, oh, we're going to run out of niches. There's no way. There's no way. Every listener to this podcast, we could probably all just choose Italian restaurants and there'd still be enough market for all of us. The the number that's in my head, if I want to free people, is 10 grand a month working 20 hours a week from anywhere in the world. That's not insane money. That's not, that's not even Tesla money, but like 10 grand a month, let's say your cogs are three or four. But if you're making six grand a month, net to you working 20 hours a week, that's better than most people are doing. And that 10 grand a month, that's 10 to 20 clients, which is nothing. Justin, it's nothing. What happens if you got a hundred? You know what I mean? Like what happens if you actually start to scale the damn thing and you put yourself and your cogs are, are generally in this type of industry, they're static. So as you scale, your cogs don't scale with the profitability. You actually make more and more and more and you get to help more and more and more. And you can, we invest in our Montessori clients so much. I send a professional photographer out to certain schools to take stock photos because I know even though that's a really expensive endeavor and no single school could afford it, when I take these photos, the photos are applicable to all schools. I put them in my stock photo library and they have the best photography any school could ever possibly have. And I get to do that over and over and over again with on every axis of analysis. So choose a niche and serve a group that you love. And I feel a little embarrassed because I got really passionate there. I'm sorry, man. Went off on a tangent. I love your passion coming real. I, I mean, so you're spot on that like my niche is what I love doing. Like I'm in a space where I light up every time. I love helping people. I love teaching people to be financially free, buying their time back, breaking their golden handcuffs. Like that to me is just so rewarding work. And it's so fulfilling to me. And then I also love the extreme opposite where someone just had a massive exit and they don't know what to do. Like they're an extraordinary entrepreneur, but that skill doesn't translate for most entrepreneurs into investing. So a lot of them lose money. And so it's very rewarding to help someone that has this huge windfall of cash and we can help them create passive income. And so, you know, that's kind of how everything started. But what you said resonates because you said, just find people that you want to help and then find the things that you love to do. And so for me, it was this. And so for years, I had my investors club. I didn't charge anything. We just hung out and did deals. And uh, it was incredible and, and you know, had a big following because of that. And we just had a good time. And a lot of people created financial freedom from that season. And that's really what morphed and became the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind, which is cool. That's so cool, man. Good for you, dude. That's just so inspiring. Well, it's all what you just said, which I think is great. And I hope people take the time and find the space to create. Because if your life is a life that is on autopilot, it's really hard to find that time. I I met... This was such a serendipitous and just perfectly timed connection. I don't know if you are familiar with uh, Keith Cunningham. Uh, So he wrote the book, The Road Less Stupid, or maybe it's slightly less stupid. I don't know. But I met Keith at a couple of different events. I met him the first time at a Tony Robbins event. And he shared something. Well, first of all, he's fun at, you know, he's really good at taking complex stuff like accounting and making it really simple. And that was helpful for me at that time and in that season of my life. Because I always liked the compounding of numbers, but I didn't really care for like, 
all the other stuff. But now you put it all together. And I mean, you kind of need to know how to do these things or be able to lean on others that can do it. But Keith said something to me that was so powerful and revolutionized my world. And he said to me that he schedules think time. He puts think time in his calendar. And it's time that all technology goes off. And he just thinks. And I remember him saying it was really hard at first. And I would sit there and I'm like, I can't think of anything. This is such a waste of time. And he said it took him, you know, many weeks before uh, he was actually able to think. And for a while, he scheduled it for an hour. And in like 10 minutes, he's like, all right, I'm done. I'm so frustrated, you know. And so I can relate on so many levels. But it bought me this, this time, this space to disconnect from everything else, to connect with nature. I'd go out on walks. I'd bring a journal. Like no one could interrupt me. Like even to this day, if you check my Friday, I have built in every Friday, I have think time and it's just technology free time. And I also have dream time. And this is where I do not let my day overrun these things. These are carved out because I can be intentional. I can be proactive and if I don't do this for myself, I know myself well enough to know that I'm just not going to do it otherwise, right? And so that was one of the biggest game changers for me ever and led to a lot of the great discoveries that I've had in my own personal life, just learning who I am, learning what I love, having the time and space to figure out what it is that I like, what I'm passionate about, who I want to spend time with, projects that fill me up versus drain me, people, the types of people that fill me up versus drain me, right? And so I can't even put into words the the power of that. So I, I mean, I literally have three hours every Friday. I and mean, it didn't start with three hours. It started with just an hour of think time. Then it became two hours of think time. Then it became two hours of think time and one hour of dream time. And this has been a routine for me where I'm intentionally living the life that I desire, not the life someone else desires, not the life that I see other people living. It's truly what I want. And I'm getting out of default and into intentionality and, uh, you know, just a proactive living. That's awesome, man. I feel shamed because I, if I get any dream time at all, it's usually on accident. You know, I had an event in early recently I was speaking and I thought I was going to have to do a whole litany of things and they ended up not needing me. And so I had like two hours to myself in a city I'd never been in. And dude, it was magic. You know, like it was a magic field. Like I've got nothing to do. No one's going to tell. Nobody knows I'm free. I'm not going to tell them. And I'm just walking around and I realized how starved I am for something like that. So the fact that you're so intentional about it, I, I need to do that. I'm going to take a note. I appreciate that. Yeah, that probably is the, I mean, if I had to think of the two things that have been the most impactful in my life and getting to me to where I am, that's one of them. And the other one is I've got a decade of time where I've taken at least one person a week out to a lunch, a dinner, a coffee, a something, someone I want to learn from, someone I want to meet, except for being on vacation. I've been very strict on this. And then if you add that up over time, it's an education and inside of some of the brightest minds out there. And so I think those are two of the greatest things I ever did to position myself to where I am today, doing the things that I love and actually being able to pour back many of those things, pouring in these ideas and, and thought creation and ideation from those concepts into the people that I have influence with. Yeah, I love that too. That's awesome. Well, this has been such a fun conversation. And and by the way, I feel like I could talk for hours on this niche thing. Like I have so many ideas on the niche stuff. So if you ever want to 
partner on anything or or dig into some of these things or or even utilize me as someone that can point you in the direction of whoever you would need to know in a certain niche, I think we could team up and our superpowers may be very complementary. I'd love to do that. So yes to everything. I, I I need help. I need help kind of building the model. You know, I've got an idea and some experience, but I'm an idiot on most other levels of analysis. So I need somebody to help buttress some of my weaknesses. That'd be awesome, man. Thank you. Well, the beauty is you only have to be a genius and actually not even a genius. You only have to be smarter than the average Joe in one little niche area that can make all the difference. Just like a niche market. It's like, this is the same thing from a, you know, a thinking standpoint, just find the one idea. I love it. That's cool. Well, this has been an awesome episode. Where can those who are watching, those who are listening, where can they find out more about you, Kasim? Uh, my agency is called Solutions 8. So you can go to sol8.com. If you want help with Google Ads, we'd love to help you. If you just want to connect with me personally, you can go to my, my personal website. is Kasim.me, K-A-S-I-M.me. And uh, I'm all over all socials. If you can't find me, you probably shouldn't pay attention to what I'm talking about because I'm supposed to be a digital marketer. <laughs> I'm one of the few costumes out there, so I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, if you want to learn more about all the cool stuff that Cosm's doing, reach out to them, or you can join the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind. You've got to apply for it, but we really have an incredible group of people that are just amazing at the things that they do. And there are a lot of people just like Cosm that have this niche, whatever it is, and they are the best of the best at that niche. So it's just really fun. So I'm thankful for you, Kasim, for all this time that you spent with us here today. And I love ending our podcasts uh, the same way because I, I want intentionality, just like I talked about earlier with you. And, and so I just like sharing this, like what is the one step that you can take? Anyone listening, anyone watching this, what's one step you can take today to move towards financial freedom, move towards a life that you truly desire, one that's on your terms, not a life by default, but a life that is truly by design and your design. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.